Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode sponsored by our generous patrons over on patreon.com forward slash Red Hills Rancher. And our patrons would be Richard, George, Lyle, John Paul, William, and new this week is Mal. Thank you guys so much for your support. Over the past few days, a couple of you have commented or written in about some of the language I used in Monday's episode. And thank you for your support. I mean, to continue to be raw and unfiltered. That being said, sometimes it's hard to take the sailor out of the sailor. And when I get really passionate, sometimes things just slip out. I'll try to be a little bit more careful in the future. So what are we doing today? This is to give me a place to answer all the fan questions that have been sent in over the last couple of weeks. So send in some more questions. When I get enough, I'll do this again. And I'll admit some of these questions are maybe a little stale, but they're still relevant. Coming up on Monday, I have another fantastic episode for you with Texas Slim. We unpack some of the questions I had after our last episode. He shares tips on how to watch out for scams and how to take actual physical hardware custody of your Bitcoin. All right, so question number one comes from Mandy on Facebook to Red Hills Rancher. Unsure if you'll even respond, but I've been a follower since day one of your Ranching Reboot podcast, and I may have missed it in an episode but I'm really curious about the carcass weight on those horned cattle you raise. I'm in Wisconsin, so pastures are covered in snow and ice right now, but when I ran horned cows versus my now Angus crosses, the carcass weight and value just wasn't there, especially in the land of dairy where it's a constant battle to market grass-fed beef. Okay, so we'll take this a couple steps. Carcass weight, yes, it's going to be a little lower on your horned cattle, whether we're talking about corientes or whether we're talking about longhorns. That's something that we need to work to improve through genetics and selective breeding and maybe even crossbreeding. I'm I'm working on that myself. I think that carcass size is always going to be a little bit smaller on 100% forage finished cattle. I really do. So that kind of brings me to labels. So you talk about marketing your grass-fed beef. I think that there's some kind of inherent evil on about labels and whenever there's a label that means that there's a standard and the standard always has like a little bit of deviation in it so even though there's like quote a grass-fed standard or some of those that they're still allowed to feed a little bit of grain or they're allowed to feed corn silage which corn is technically a grass and you can call that forage but that's not what I'm going to consider my pasture finished cows which leads me to my point you should be selling your story, not the product of grass-fed beef. You should be selling your story of what you're doing on your land and how you're taking care of your cows and what those cows are to you. And when you find your right audience, when you find your customer, they'll see that value and they'll pay you a premium for it. Next question. Ruben Schneider sent in a question to Red Hills Rancher on Instagram. Question for you on grazing paddocks. I've been rotational grazing for five years and just now learned about high-density grazing, so looking to implement that this year. 
My cow number isn't high enough to do it in my grass, so I could purchase more cows or feeders. My question is, with the high price of pears right now, I thought it might be more beneficial to stock feeder cattle. But can you follow up a paddock with feeders after rotating pears off of said paddock, or are you defeating the purpose? I know you're a busy man with lots to manage, but I do appreciate all your valuable information you share freely. Thank you for your time. Ruben, thank you. So, purchasing pears or feeders in a lead-follow grazing type situation. Number one... Um, if you're scared about taking on any more short-term unsecured debt at possibly a variable interest rate, which I would be right now in today's economic climate, I would be absolutely terrified of that. Um, you can always bring in some custom grazers, whether they're custom cows that fit right, that just dovetail nicely right into your program, or whether we're talking about somebody that just wants you to put some steers or some heifers out and and put a few pounds on them. So consider a custom grazing type arrangement to get your stock density, to get your stock numbers where you want them in order to take advantage of that. A lead follow type grazing situation, I've never done it personally. I've heard of it working. And what you need to balance is you need to send the herd you're least concerned with their nutritional plane, send them around first, and then time it to where after about 21 days, your next herd is coming right through. Um, I think that would that would probably work here. You want an adequate rest and recovery for the plant to stay in phase two and be able to be grazed again. You want to be able to graze it again after it's fully recovered. And that herd that's following will theoretically be on a higher plane in nutrition. So short-term debt, I'm not sure I'd go buy more cows right now. Um, I, I, I'm working as hard as I can to get rid of my short-term debt, especially the stuff that's on a variable rate. Moving on. David Bodenhammer sent in Red Hills Rancher on Facebook. Can I learn about your background? Yes, yes, you really can. <laughs> but there isn't really a single place that I can send you. Um, I've shared bits and pieces on the five or six episodes I've done on working cows. Um, I shared quite a bit of it on the most recent episode of Herd Quitter. So you probably check that out. Um, Clay Connery, the host of Working Cows pod, podcast, the pod father himself, has asked me to do another episode of Working Cows. So you might go check with Mr. Connery, and uh, he might be accepting some questions. Last question I have for you today comes from Dan in the Ranching Reboot Paddock Group. I thought to ask this question a few weeks back, and boy, has the world changed a little since then. And Dan, I'm sorry, it's been a few weeks since you did write this question. I'm really wrestling with it. He continues, In light of the Freedom Convoy protests and blockades here in Canada, the growing war in Ukraine, and the potential fallout and or escalation of both these events, how does a small business remain nimble and manage supply chain issues in a world of increasing political and social unrest? Wow, I, that is a lot to unpack. So, first off, the Freedom Convoy. It seems like the Freedom Convoy down here in the United States possibly fizzled out. I haven't heard a whole lot about it. That It just didn't seem to make the mainstream news or, or light up social media like everything else, um, like the ones in Canada did. So, I'm a little confused. I'm a little concerned. Um, who knows? I think that when people stand up 
to the government in mass like that, they notice whether or not that event is broadcast out to the rest of us. Now, the growing war in Ukraine. Ah, I'm recording this on Wednesday for a Friday morning release, and the situation might dramatically change between now and then. And it's changed a lot just in the last few days, and even since um, Slim and I spoke about it just a few weeks ago on the upcoming episode on Monday. It's, it's a very complicated thing. And I think what we're going to be seeing is we're going to be seeing input costs and fuel costs continue to rise and continue to rise. And inflation's only going to get worse. So how do we remain nimble? And how do we, how do we survive as a community, as a group? And I think this is kind of the most important part is shorten your supply chains. And that means source things as close as possible with as few steps between you and production as possible. Should plant a garden and maybe think about getting some chickens. If you've already got chickens, think about maybe getting some goats. Diversify. Diversify your food choices. Diversify the proteins that you're growing on your land. I think that that's going to be very important. I think that understanding and spreading the concept of shake the hand that feeds you is going to be vital for the coming years to get through some of these potential major upheaval events that I can kind of see in my crystal ball. Keep supporting farmers markets and the food hubs. Every little bit helps. I mean, even, even those very small percentages can make a big difference. Like even if you're only spending just a small percentage of your food budget of your food dollars at the farmers market, that can make a big difference to that farmer's bottom line at the end of the day. Well guys, that's it. That's all I got. Have a great weekend.